Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete with me, Emma Gannon, talking to interesting creatives about the internet and social media and their work. So today's guest is Charlie Cox. I've known Charlie for a few years. I've followed her work for a long time and I'm really excited because her debut poetry book called She Must Be Mad is out now. And full disclaimer, we have the same literary agent, but I would have been supporting this book anyway. Charlie is a 22-year-old writer, producer, and now poet. Her writing focuses on destigmatizing mental health, and the book is incredible. It's a coming-of-age book about a young woman surviving the modern world through a series of incredible poems. It's a brilliant story how Charlie came to publish this book. She started publishing her poetry on Instagram in January 2017 and sharing these poems for the very first time with her followers and since then it's really grown and I think it just shows the power of putting your work out there sowing that first seed and just watching things happen off the back of it. She is now Virgin Radio's Poet in Residence. She's been published on Refinery29. She's hosted poetry nights to raise money. She's an ambassador for MQ Mental Health Charity, and she's been named by Elle magazine as one of their top 20 power players to watch for 2018. She Must Be Mad is out now. It's a bestseller on Amazon, and it's an incredible book. It really is very raw, very real, and really is a personal book to Charlie, but so many people have already been able to relate to it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. We just chatted in a HarperCollins meeting room on a sunny day, just had a good old natter. So hope you enjoyed this episode and here it is. This feels silly to write, for in doing so the sentiment fractures and goes back full circle. But I've kissed plenty of boys, most of them charming. I've kissed plenty of boys and I've been on plenty of arms and... I've loved plenty of boys and they've made me feel soft and I've seen plenty of boys and plenty I've lost. I've had plenty of evenings in dimly lit bars and I've had plenty of fumbles in the backs of their cars. I've written plenty of letters and received plenty of emails. I've kissed plenty of boys and one or two females. I've traced plenty of hips with eager touch and I've kissed plenty of lips that made me feel too much. And in the plenty I've gathered, I've garnered plenty of words. But once put all together, they don't sound like firsts. They all sort of sound similar, as though each man wasn't new, which is why it's important to say, not everything I write is about you. So welcome Charlie Cox, debut author of She Must Be Mad. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I can't believe we're finally here. I know. It's been many, many years in the running. It has, and I want to talk mostly about the book on this episode obviously but I did want to start off by going back a bit and asking you about when you started writing because I used to read your style the natives no way did you really yeah because I remember when you wrote something really honest about mental health and I think I messaged you and I was like that's literally one of the bravest (gasps) bravest pieces I've ever Emma no but seriously that makes me so happy I, I almost forget that that was ever a part of my life where I kind of forget that I used to blog mm. and that was my life for a good solid couple of years. I completely forget that I ever did that. 
Um, it's funny because uh, careers go in such stages, don't they? And it's like yeah. you can forget about the old. That really did feel like it felt like such a half a career, which I never really. I've, I've kind of wish I'd maybe done a bit more with mm. that damn. Height. Yeah, but a lot, a lot has led you to this point. It's important yeah. to acknowledge that. Yeah. No, that was that was such a good, such a good way to learn how to be honest without hurting myself in the process. I think. You know, I started off, of the first blog post I ever put up about mental health was when I found out I had bipolar. And I was so terrified. Mm. I thought, this this is a terrible idea, what am I doing? And then within minutes, it was like the most cathartic release of wonderfulness. But then I had to very quickly learn, you can't fix everyone that then gets in touch with you. Or how do you navigate these things without triggering other people? Or, you know, how to be sensitive to yourself and others at the same time and it's so hard but that was a good learning a learning curve yeah because with that piece did you was there like a lot of rewrites like did you take your time on it and did you know immediately that you were going to actually publish it or was it something that you wrote for yourself first when I found out my friend Jack said why don't you write about it Mm -hmm. I was like don't be daft why would I do that um and then I really thought about it and then I remember it was just a re- really late one night and I was still trying to get my head around the idea of the diagnosis and whatever and thought no this is it like I should write about it if it make if it's making me feel this uncomfortable then it's probably really important and if I feel really uncomfortable there's probably loads of other people that feel like that too mm. so it, it definitely was heavily considered and gone mm. through but I never in a million years imagined that it would have had the reaction that it did. Mm-hmm. I think as well, when you don't necessarily know how it feels in, in detail, it's, it's important to know so that if you have friends going through something, you are a bit more educated. Um, but you're an ambassador as well for the me- mental health charity. Yeah, for MQ, um, Mental Health Research. Yeah, I, I was so excited. I was so... I remember, I think it must have been about a year and a half ago I first saw them and became obsessed. I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. You know, mm-hmm. they're really smashing it. We're all very good at the moment at saying, you know, oh, we need to have a conversation about mental health. And, you know, oh, it's like, we should all talk more. We should, we all need to be doing this. It's like, actually the reality is, is we need to understand more and we need to put money into science. And, you know, it yeah. wouldn't it be so much more wonderful if we lived in a world that wasn't only accepting of people that have poor mental health or mental illnesses, but, that could be something that was prevented as opposed to treated. Mm. That is, for me, is a much more like important end goal. And they're doing wonderful, wonderful work. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I also I, got to have my photo next to Greg James's photo, and that was <gasps> that was it for me. Oh my god, is he an ambassador as well? Yeah. Wow. That was that. That is my crowning <laughs> moment in my life. Right? I always knew we'd end up together <laughs> on a on a in a framed picture on a wall. <laughs> Yeah, because I think as well what's so in- so interesting about what you're doing is you do tie together mental health conversations but also in the social media space. No, social yeah. media plays a role in how we all feel these days. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm learning more and more. I don't actually think I realised how much of my anxiety or like my... I had no idea until I started writing the book how much of an awful relationship I had with my body. Mm. I didn't... I knew that I had lots of like weird hang-ups or I knew that there was probably some sort of enmeshed behaviour that wasn't very healthy but I never really realised how bad it was until I started writing about it 
and how much of that comes from social media and for the love of god how long do we spend looking at other girls well that takes me to talking about the book because um i don't know where i read this but hadn't you only published your poetry like just over a year ago like it's actually quite yeah recent in terms of the fact that you've got a book out right now it's it seems mad I, I I still like we're, where we're sat looking out at the city in this big shiny like box and we're here and you're talking to me about a book that I've written it really doesn't feel real in any capacity I keep having to like convince myself that this isn't and I know it's such a cliche like oh you know I feel like I'm dreaming but I genuinely bloody feel like I'm I can't believe it um yeah it was a year and a half ago I admittedly was getting quite bitter about all of my friends being creative online and doing really well and I was always the producer or behind the scenes and I was sort of like banging my fists on the table like guys I'm a creative too like I write I do stuff like why can't like let me let me in like I want to be a part of that and they all just sort of went well then just do it (laughs) I was like oh I hadn't considered that (laughs) didn't realize that's how that works um, that is so relatable though when you feel like everyone is creating stuff and you feel so like full of stuff but you can't quite get it out yeah or feel like you're not justified in doing so it was such a weird thing I just didn't I didn't let myself believe that I could do it even though I really wanted to which I think we all do in so yeah. many different ways in life but I, yeah I put it on Instagram and did okay and was that scary when you first posted it yeah, massive like cringe factor. I've like I, I've only just come to terms with introducing myself as a poet because it's for me it was the cringiest thing in the world. Like, what do you do? I write poet poetry. <laughs> like, uh. um, yeah, it just I was mortified that like boys from school would read it. Mm. I've never cared about their opinion before, but suddenly I was so wrapped up. I had a list of like ten people in my head of like it's the end of the world if you see this because you're going to think I'm this like massive geek who writes about her feelings. And One of my favourite poems in the book is the one about the plenty of men, plenty of boys one, because that does sum up that it's almost like you saying it's not about you, like so, you're so vain exactly. type thing. Oh, it's like Dolly did like a really great tweet the other week where it was like I'm constantly astounded by how little men care that they've hurt me but care more about the idea that I could one day write about them I was like that is my dating career (laughs) summed up um, perfectly and it is like I do spend a lot of time worrying that you know people are scared that they're fodder or I'm I'm in a situation like purely to write about it Oh my god, I had that with my first book. I had to meet up with an old friend and get them to to, re- to read a chapter that they're in. And was that scary? It was a little bit like, do you think that I've used you mm. for my book? Yeah. So that's really interesting. It's you... such a hard line of knowing, yeah, what is your truth and what is your story to tell and what is also still very much somebody else's life. But with poetry, do you feel like you can be more vague and you're not necessarily, like, naming John or yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. It's, creatively, it's, you know, it's really nice because... There's not a John, is there? No. No, that would have been really awkward. You... <laughs> I did sort of just look off into the middle distance, like, John, no. <laughs> could, there could be. There's time. There's time for John. 
I hope. Um, but yeah, it's more cryptic. Yeah, you can be more cryptic. And also, what is so, and what has been so nice about the book is I've, I've wrote lots of it when I was 15. I wrote lots of it now. There's, you know, nobody really knows who it's about or if it's about them because you've got no sort of sense of time. Um, and similarly, like, I really like fucking with the idea that I can put up something that sort of looks might suggest that I'm madly in love when I wrote it when I was like 12 <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what's been your favorite part of the publishing process with you know having a you know a really big publisher behind you I mean I've been very overexcited throughout this whole process both of my editors have been like there is nothing that you don't find really exciting. You're like a child. They were like, oh, we get to do that now. Like, that's so fun. Um, I really love the edit. I thought I was going to hate the edit. I really was dreading the idea of somebody else going through my work because yeah. I've never, I have no like training in writing or I left school at 16. I never, no one's ever taught me grammar properly or all these like really silly, basic, but incredibly important things. Yeah. So having two people like, look, Charlie, this is not a sentence. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it is. They're like, this isn't a poem. We've got to be more strict on this. Mm. And I loved it. Yeah, felt like amazing. I learned so much. And really excited, because as you know, like, writing is such a lonely thing. And uh, the, the months where I was just solely writing, I, was, I, I felt like I was going properly insane in my own head because I was just on my own. Mm. And you can't really... Or I don't know, I felt like I really struggled to share that anxiety with anyone else because I didn't think that they'd understand it or I would sound really ridiculous. Like, mm. I'm crying over the colour of a book cover. Like, <laughs> genuinely cried for two weeks over book covers. I'm like, are you alright? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't understand. This is the only thing that's going on in my life at the moment. So the editing process was finally a time to be collaborative both emotionally yeah. <laughs> and like within the writing yeah because I remember I remember bumping into you in the office oh yeah but I totally understood because I've I've, t I've been there and also you can I think this is a really important part of the mental health discussion actually is like the guilt that people feel when their life is good yeah in inverted commas and it's like yeah, you're allowed to feel crap no matter who you are or where you live or what you're doing. It's like you make you make yourself feel worse for be feeling bad. Yeah, yes, and I I think that is exactly the spot I was at when we bumped into each other and I fell into your arms and cried. <laughs> that was such yeah. a horrible day. There was so much of that though, yeah. and it does. I do feel guilt. I guess like an element of guilt now because everything is really exciting and it all looks very shiny and partially because it is quite shiny like I, I can't deny that but I'm still going through so many other things at the same time alongside it where mm. I don't know sometimes I, I guess I worry that I'm like am I feeling this holy enough or am I letting like am I letting mental illness win but then do I look successful but then what do I want like do I want people it's just mm. constant like brain wire of how do we navigate this? Do you feel Currently. like sometimes, like, um, with sharing, because obviously you are very vocal about um, mental health, do you feel like 
social media is a place to like constantly share or do you feel like sometimes it's good to have an escapism like I'm going to post a pretty picture on here today and pretend everything's good because actually it's like my safe space yeah like 100% I I don't know I, I guess that it's where where I have so many problems with the term insta poet as well like I've never I don't write for Instagram by any means but also I don't think of my Instagram as a place for poetry mm. it's it's sort of like a scrapbook of my stuff yeah. <laughs> but that's that that is still always really scary it is always really scary I feel much better about posting anything other than poetry and then as soon as I post a poem up I have to like throw my phone across the room and leave it alone for a day I cannot I cannot look at it I cannot see if anyone's engaged in it I've, I've read so many amazing creatives say that that's like that's kind of what you should aim for but if you're not scared a little bit about what you're publishing like maybe you're not onto something I think that's really I, I hope it's true I hope it's true because I've been so scared mm. I've been so scared this entire process yeah. has been what's it been like it being out though because you've had like amazing people like testimonials and quotes and you went on tv and cecilia hearn and you've had like you're in stylist magazine like how how have you felt with all of the response to it i'm i am sat here and maybe it's the most broken version of me that i've ever been i'm so overwhelmed i just i also don't think because because the book is so personal and it is very autobiographical and it's it's very hard to know if something is good or not um I think in general it's hard when you make stuff like you're like is this good is this not good but then I was it's also quantifying like is the life that I've portrayed good like does is that going to be interesting is it only interesting to me because I've gone through it um is it as universal as I I thought it was so it's it's been a huge comfort in a sense to see that people are finding their own truths within it and like are of attaching themselves to poems which I thought only I would ever get like comfort or pain out of it's it's the, it is the loveliest thing in the world I yeah. just can't get my head around it at all yeah. I really can't it's, it's very exciting to watch because I think as well I feel like such an old woman but like you are really young and it's you're at the very beginning of it all I'm so excited I'm, I'm so I never thought I certainly never thought I'd be a poet. I never thought that would be a thing. And I absolutely, even though it's always been in my heart of hearts, my biggest, purest dream is to be a writer, I never thought I'd actually get to do that. Mm. And I think that's why all of this feels so surreal, is because now the ne- like the questions are, so, book two? Oh. Do you know what? I, I really have a love-hate relationship with the what's next, because actually... I think that we should all be a bit more present and like if people if I'm interviewing someone about something they've just made I think actually it's one of the most offensive things you can say is like what's next because it's like sorry the reason we're here is to discuss yeah, this, this, what's this long like <coughs> full on thing that you've just spent like how long making like yeah pulling yourself to pieces about yeah. but that even that just as a question now sounds crazy like whoa but like, there could be another one. I get, I could, I might get to do this again, <laughs> guys, for real. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so excited and so overwhelmed. And I know they're two very, very boring ways to describe how you're feeling. And I guess that is quite expected. Mm. But I really didn't, I didn't think that I would be here. It's exciting as well to know 
that things can start from like quite a small seed online because I think for like people listening who might who might have an idea that they want to get out there to know that actually a lot does start by just putting yourself out there like there's no way about it you've put yourself out there and that's that's where it started it, it, it is such a powerful powerful thing and I feel as though I had I've been, I feel like I've been saying to people for so long, like, guys, like, you've just got to do it. Like, go and do it. Actually, just put it out there. Like, n- nothing bad can happen, really. Nothing awful is going to happen to you if you just try something. And I've always been, like, had that ethos. But with poetry, it never... In my head, it just... It, that never came into play. Mm-hmm. That never felt like that should be the, for the same set of rules. Yeah. And it, it took so much convincing for people to be like, yeah, but Charlie, maybe ju- just try it. Just do, just do one. <laughs> like, yeah. just see how it goes. This is such a cliche question, but do you have to be in a certain mood to write a poem? Mm, yeah. You yeah. couldn't just sit down and. I do try get- every morning. I try and sit and write something, even if it's really rubbish, just like to exercise that part of my brain. And similarly, like if I'm on the train, I used to only like play Candy Crush, and now like. If you've got time to play Candy Crush, you've definitely got time to like look back on something that you've not finished yet, or yeah. or try or just try and write, just really like try and do it. Mm. But I guess as well, like with so much of the content that's in the book, they were all pieces that I I wrote as therapy for myself. I think they were they were moments of extremes, whether that was like being in love or being incredibly depressed or being really unsure about my body or they all came from such extreme places and the only way I knew or like the only way that felt right still with those feelings was to write them out and make them tangible and then they were a real whole problem in front of me that I could confront as opposed to a jumbled mess in my head. Would you would you say then that like writing has helped you? Massively yeah. Kind of feel, feel better? Yeah, and and have like a lot more self introspection and that I read something really interesting the other day. It was a really good quote which said, um, "I'm I have a mental illness, but I have really good mental health," and I I really got that. That made a lot of sense to me, and I feel as though through poetry, my mental health is is pretty on point at the moment, considering. Because um, it never has been. I think I've always been like I have very bad mental health and I have a mental illness, which is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, they seem so much more easier to manage because I know that I've got I know that I've got writing. I know I've got that in my ammunition to throw if when it all feels like it's getting too much. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so so important. I think to really push points of pain. And, and vocalise them because you re- it's so hard to understand why we feel certain feelings or why we're hung up on certain things and it usually stems from a million tiny, tiny things mm. and until you've pushed that you can't solve all of them does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like giving yourself the, tool, the tools to exactly fix little tiny bits and then once you fix like, the little tiny bits as a whole it it starts to make more sense or it completely dissipates. Yeah. Um, What's the best thing that your friends do when you're not okay? I used to, <laughs> I have a friend that used to send me um, like surprise Amazon packages mm. of just like fun stuff. 
like slippers, <laughs> like really random bits. Um, I think I think the only thing you ever really want is just someone to listen. You never really want answers, I'm, and I'm I'm trying to remind myself that a lot more. Supporting friends more and more through things is when you're in a bad place. You think everything's wrong anyway because your brain is so biased to its pain and it's telling you that it's right and it has to be this way. So someone saying, "Oh, but it's all going to be fine," or "But remember, you're so brilliant." Your brain is immediately batting that away with like, "You're lying. <laughs> That's not true." So just having someone that listens, yeah, so it's so so helpful. And I think I've been that friend who's like trying to make it better so desperately and it's, it's like probably making it worse. But it's such a human response. You know, you see someone you love or you care about in pain, you immediately want to like throw everything you've got mm. within you at them and be like, ah, but I would like, please let me make this better for you. Um, which is a lovely thing. And it's a really like wonderfully human thing about mm. relationships. But I think, I think selfishly, all you really want is someone to just sit down and, and almost justify it for you. Uh, the times the times where I've overcome things the quickest and greatest have been when people have been like, you are right in feeling that pain. Like, you are sad. You are unwell. This is all real around you. And then you accept it as opposed to people like, oh, but you'll be fine. Oh, but think about this. You then start to feel guilty about feeling and that those your feelings, feelings are wrong yeah and then when they're feelings not. are wrong and until you've like really felt something holy you you can't get through it yeah oh my god that that is so wise that is really wise um what are you excited about for the rest of the year like with just life this isn't a what's next question but just <laughs> like in general um personal professional what are you looking forward to i'm loving performing so much i until i think it was yeah, it must have been just over a year ago, and Abby, um, our glorious shared agent, uh, had said, oh, you know, if we do this, you're going to have to start performing poetry. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's like, oh, oh no, babe, <laughs> this, this is what happens now. You're going to have to start reading. Yeah. And I did a night a year ago, and I just, I was, I was really annoyed with myself, because afterwards I was like, oh, God, I really loved that. This Good. Is, I was like, this is bad news. This is this is what I want to do. This is really this is my bliss. Um, so I just I can't wait to play around with performing more. Yeah, it's so fun. It works both ways as well, doesn't it? Because I saw someone do um, spoken word. Is that is that different from reading poetry, or are they can they be the same? Mm. But I saw someone perform. I guess, so. I yeah. guess it was a poem um, with, with such kind of emotion that I then. DM'd her being like, can I buy, can I read them? So it's like, mm. people will read your book and then want to go and see you perform, but they'll also see you perform and then go and buy the book. Ooh, I had I had. Not, it's kind of, yeah, it's like a cycle, like, I suppose, isn't it? I think it's, it is also really, I, I love, I, and I'd never been to a poetry reading before, even having hosted one. I, it was the first time I'd ever seen poetry in action before. Um, and it is so different to reading it and you have such a greater sort of empathy and understanding to the writer when you hear it come out of their mouth. Mm. You're like, wow, that that thing that was in your brain that is now on paper is actually like your own rhetoric. Of course it is, but you just don't consider it until you hear it and see it. Yeah. And there's such great spaces. I thought that the thought of going to a poetry night was like the most bourgeois 
like gross berets yeah exactly everyone smokes inside and drinks red wine and I mean it kind of is like that and sure <laughs> sign me up for that one I'll go um, I, but uh, yeah I just thought it might be a bit pretentious and a bit funny and they're not they're such great spaces of really interesting switched on creatives that mm. are having fun with language and ultimately like most poetry is is fairly like profound in its topics you know a lot of people are talking about race or about sexuality or mental health or politics and to en- to engage with like such important parts of culture in a fun way yeah is is really refreshing yeah M- way more engaging for younger people as well yeah but would you say that your confidence has um increased like from doing more of the performing in general just like yeah. i feel like everyone should learn how to publicly speak but I agree. It's so like, like I mean, being a good communicator is so helpful and important. And I think we, I, I forget that all the time. Like, it's really good to be concise. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've found that I navigate social situations differently now as well, because I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm worried. Is that because I'm like I like being centre of attention now, <laughs> but. It has given me a greater confidence. Also, I guess because for so long, you know, if you if you would if we were to have done this a year ago, and I would have spoken about poetry, my my posture would have been like all over the place. Like everyone has said that it's so funny that for so long, whenever you spoke about what you did or who you were or what you were working on, you you looked physically uncomfortable talking about it, and mm. I I could not say the word poet. I was so creeped out by it. And now, I think I will no longer. I will never get greater joy than walking into a party and being like, "What do you do? I'm a poet." Yes, <laughs> I, love I love that, that. and I, I love that. But that's like by you doing that, other people. Not that you're doing it for that reason, but like other people might be like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to own what I do more now." Actually, because yeah, you should. It, it, it's taken a really long time. Constant imposter syndrome. My I know loads of people that have written like five books, and they're like, "Oh, I wouldn't call myself a writer." And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, but, but, <laughs> it is true though. Why is that? It's it's such a common thing within. I don't industry. know, but no, it's. I love the fact that you've that you are able, like the the massive extreme difference between not not even being able to say that you're that and clam up, versus now. It's really cool. Thank you. Thank you so so much for that. It Thank was you for so having nice me. So nice to talk to you. Thank more, you. more please. Be a returning guest. Although, actually, you've been on before as well, so people can go back and listen to that one. Thank you.